The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast. It is Monday, September 23rd. We have three weeks of football almost in the books. Redskins and Bears play on Monday night. But I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host of the Pick Six Podcast. Daily NFL CBS Sports Show. We bring you the full recap every Sunday night with the NFL Super Friends. And we will break down all of Sunday's action. Joining me as they always do on Sunday night. Ryan Wilson, John Breach, Sean Wagner McGuff. What's up, fellas? Yo, yo, yo. Your wow, voice? That was, that was depressing. Seat, Sean. <laughs> that was right. Sorry. Yeah, I just hit puberty somewhere in the fourth quarter of the Browns game. Nice. Uh, you matured better than, uh, Baker Mayfield did, or Freddie Kitchens did. Um, Breach, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I just wanted to hear Sean talk about puberty. It's the only reason I showed up today. <laughs> it's the only reason I get up in the morning. Cheers, Sean. Hey, that's a fun fact from John about Sean. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dive into the football games. Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes came to play for the New York football giants. He led the giants to a 32-31 comeback win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, featuring a game in which a very short field goal was missed. Uh, Bruce Arians, some controversy there. We'll get to that. Uh, Saquon Barkley suffered a high ankle sprain. He's going to miss several weeks. Um, but on a scale of, uh, you know, look, Ryan, you, your, your little draft hive, hive mind, draft nerds, draft dorks, draft Twitter, hashtag draft Twitter. You guys bashed Dave Gettleman. Said he was a moron, a clueless loser, pathetic <laughs> old man with a keyboard gif for drafting Daniel Jones at number six overall. Would you like to apologize to him for being correct? Even Pete Briscoe gave him a D, and he said, I want to give this grade an F. I want to give this guy a pick an F. Now he's like, I love Daniel Jones. What are you talking about? I love Daniel Jones. He's great. He's great. I'm all over Daniel Jones. Um, no, you're not, Pete. You gave him a D. Get out of here. What do you think, Ryan? I'm not apologizing to Dave Gettleman because it's still unclear if he knows what planet he's on, much less what he's doing. Um, he drafted Daniel Jones 6, and that was a big concern. And I, I've said this from Jump Street, 21 Jump Street's an old show with Johnny Depp, Sean. It's also um, a movie that came out like four or five years ago. Stop ruining Jamie everything. Tatum. The movie was good with yeah. Tatum and uh, – Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, yeah. It was yeah. so good they made 22 <laughs> jumps. Boom, we just totally hijacked Ryan's thing. All right, Ryan, Ryan keep going. Thank you, Sean. Got to keep the old man on track. Uh, I've always said from 22 or 21 Jump Street, both streets work. I like Daniel Jones. I didn't love him at number six. He played on a Duke team that had no offensive line, 
at no one catching the balls, and he more than held his own to the fact to the point where I felt like he was a second round pick. Obviously, Dave Gettleman thought he was worth the number six pick, and that's where he took him. If he had gone later in the draft, the um, Giants also had the 17th pick. They traded back up to 30 to take DeAndre Baker, so they, they could have taken him any number of places. But they felt like they had to get him there. They got him. And once they got him, I was like, okay, here's where you're, you're at. You need a wide receiver. They didn't really do that because they got rid of Odell Beckham. You need help with offensive line. They tried to address that, haven't really done that. But if you have Daniel Jones, you might as well play him. We all know that Eli Manning is absolutely terrible. Everyone but Dave Gettleman, who – Brinson wants us to apologize to, who trotted him out there for two games, and guess what he looked like? Eli Manning, short hopping passes, chucking and ducking, doing all sorts of stuff that got him benched in game three, should have got him benched in the summer. Daniel Jones comes in and exceeds everyone's expectations, including Daniel Jones. I'm happy for him. He seems like a really nice person. Um, he's incredibly athletic. He has a, a better-than-average arm. We saw that. He makes great decisions, and he's way more athletic than any of us ever thought. I, I, may, I mentioned this earlier to you guys. Um, last season against North Carolina, he ran for nearly 200 yards. So he, we, we knew that he could sort of do these things. People who didn't watch him play UNC probably didn't know that, but I'm happy for him. I don't know if this magically fixes the Giants season. I'm almost sure it doesn't, but it's a great, um, day, I will say for Giants fans. We'll see if it lasts. We know there's some issues with Saqu- Saquon Barkley and his ankle injury. You mentioned that, Brenton. So good first start. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. And that's the thing is no one should be taking a victory lap after one game against what was by DVOA the worst defense in football last year, a defense that our MVP candidate, uh, Mitch Trubisky, tore up for six touchdowns last year. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. But you can see the traits that the Buccaneers defense is better, by the way. It's one of the no, more... no, 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 I agree with that. They it's, drafted five guys. And they got one of the draft guy. And, and they have Todd Bowles there now. Yeah, too. Todd, yeah, Todd Bowles is just blitzing like crazy. They're just they're clearly better. And your boy Shaq Barrett balling out. Right. And what I was going to say about uh, Daniel Jones is you can just see the traits that I don't think he should have been the sixth overall pick, but if the Giants take him at number 17 instead of number six, I don't think there's this big outcry or this big outrage against it. It's only because they took him at number six. It reminds me a lot of the Saquon Barkley pick at two. When people were criticizing that, we weren't criticizing it because we think Saquon Barkley sucks. We're criticizing it because it wasn't good value um, where they were situated in the draft. But if you look at what Daniel Jones did today, his mobility, I think, is going to help that team so much because he can overcome so many of the issues up front on the offensive line. And look, I got to say this. I got to be thankful for Daniel Jones, what he did today, because I'm about to give you guys a fun fact that I think is actually fun because of Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones' 18-point comeback today is uh, – wow, I messed that up. Sorry, wrong classic. I know. Oh my god, I choked. I was on the one yard line and I fumbled the snap. Oh no! All right, and it got returned for a touchdown. Hey, do you know? Do you know? Here's a fun fact. Uh, You just steal my fun fact. I'm gonna. Here's a fun fact. You just peed yourself. (laughs) Sean was on the one yard line and he punted. All right, I'm just gonna present. You're not in puberty. You just took a delay of game. You were about to kick a game winning field goal and you took a delay of game so you could stand. You were in a draw on fourth and nine, Sean. Yeah, I'm not even. You're right. That was terrible. And now I'm just going to present to you guys a normal fact that has lost all of its luster. This is a non-amusing fact. This is just a fact. <laughs> Eli Manning in his career was 0 and 43 when trailing by 18 points as a starter. Uh, that's the comeback that Daniel Jones led the Giants on. So I took Daniel Jones one game. And my second non-fun basic fact that I will present is that Eli Manning in a single season has never rushed for more than one touchdown. Daniel Jones surpassed that in one game with two rushing touchdowns. 
Yeah, Daniel Jones uh, finished with 336 yards, two t- passing touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Um, he is the first rookie with at least 300 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, and two rushing touchdowns in a single game since 1970. And look, here's the difference, Breach, for me. On the play where he threw the ball deep down the field to Darius Slayton, you could tell that he got pressured because the Giants' offensive line is not that great. But Danny Dimes rolled out to his left, maintained his vision down the field, and then while on the move, makes this strike down the field. Now, look, Eli's old and he's washed and he got benched. Eli cannot physically make that throw. It would have been a sack if Eli Manning had been there or a throwaway or like uh, that thing where he like curls up on the ground. He's like, and then like, and then, and then, and then gives the ball up. It would have been something like that. And instead, it was almost a touchdown pass and it ended up resulting in a touchdown for the Giants and ended up being a victory. So I just think this gives the Giants, plus the read option. Now they can use the read option. They're going to miss Saquon for a few weeks, but being able to utilize that Daniel Jones's legs as a way to throw off defenses makes for a huge advantage for New York. Yeah. And here's the thing is that. Daniel Jones did all of this, and when people watch Highlights Monday and maybe won't realize it, he did all this even though he lost Saquon Barkley in the first half, and even though the Buccaneers were putting an insane amount of pressure on him, he got sacked five times. If Eli Manning was playing without Saquon Barkley against that Buccaneers pressure, he would have been sacked 41 times in that game, and that is not an exaggeration. Uh, but let's be honest, as the special team uh, correspondent. The, 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 NFL, the game log has, uh, I think it's 10 quarterback hits in that game. Yeah, so multiply by four, and that's the Eli number. Um, so he would not have survived. Daniel Jones would have been started starting next week anyway because Eli would not have made it through this game alive. But as I was about to say, as the special teams correspondent, I am not here to gloat about Daniel Jones. I am here to ask WTF Bruce Arians what in the name was going on. The ghost of Roberto Aguayo is haunting this franchise. I don't know what the Buccaneers were doing. Uh, it, you, this is a sequence where if you have game pass, you have to watch like the final minute. Cause all, the only highlight they're going to show is Matt Gay missing this 34 yard field goal, but it was such a bizarre end of game sequence. It defied all logic known to man. And, and what happened was after Daniel Jones gets that touchdown, the Giants go up 32 to 31. The Buccaneers get the ball back. They're at their own 47 yard line. Jameis Winston hits Mike Evans. 44-yard pass down to the Giants' nine-yard line. They have the nine-yard line with 26 seconds left and one timeout. You call the timeout, you can take a shot at the end zone. Bucks didn't do that. Instead, they took it down to 13 seconds, spiked it, saved their timeout. Now they could take another shot at the end zone and still call the timeout if the ball goes to the middle field. They didn't do that either. Instead, they went with the option that no coach in their right mind would ever choose. They took a delay a game and then kicked a field goal. So they passed up. Uh, 22 yard, what's nine plus eight? 27 yard field goal. <laughs> field goal math is stuck right there. <laughs> so they did, they passed up a 27 yard field goal to kick a 34 yard field goal. And after the game, somebody logically asked, Hey, Coach Arians, why did you pass up a 27 yard field goal to kick a 34 yard field goal that was further back? And Bruce Arians just gave the most I, I, like, I have no explanation. I can't even believe the, the quote was actually said. Brinson, you can read the exact quote, but basically Arian said he was more comfortable with his kicker kicking from further away. This is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They should never be comfortable with their kicker kicking at all, let alone from further away after Matt Gay had already missed two extra points in this game. 
from 33 yards, both of those, and now you're trying a 34-yard field goal to win it when you could have tried a 27-yarder? No, I'm sorry. That's going to be all overshadowed by Daniel Jones' awesome performance, though. Yeah, the uh, the full quote from uh, Bruce Arians, by the way, was, I just took it on purpose, talking about the delay of game penalty. He's better back there. The field goal is, is, a field goal is easier back five yards. We wanted to move the ball, put it in the middle and make it easier. As our friend, uh, friend of the show, Michael David Smith points out, that explanation doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not easier to cook, kick a football further. Like seriously, you can't find any amount of math that allows you to do that. And by the way, uh, it should not go, uh, un, unnoticed that Mike Evans was a maniac in this game. The Giants had no, the Giants defense stinks out loud and they had no answer for Mike Evans who had 190 yards and three touchdowns. And Sean, pretty exciting news. Fun fact. I won my first ever DFS tournament today. That's not fun for anyone except you because no one but, here cares. Did you, did you, win, money? you, win? Did you yeah. win money? Are you going to, are you going to buy us all shirts and send them to us? Now here's where it gets fun for you guys oh, is boy. that, is that because I, I only entered this lineup in a three dollar small small league, so I won like hundred thirty dollars. So you're gonna, you're gonna mail an autograph? Yeah. So if I entered it in like a big league, I would have won a bunch of money, and I didn't. So I cost myself a lot of money. So there's your fun fact. Um, that is fun. Exactly. I thought you'd enjoy that. So I cost, I cost myself a couple hundred dollars at least, maybe a thousand. Anyway, uh, what else did you want to add there, Breach? Uh, one last thing on this game. The irony of all this is that based on how close Gay's field goal was, it might have made it from seven yards closer it just and missed by about that was, a oh, that was going in from seven yards closer. we before yeah. we move on we got to mention uh we talked about Brinson, you were talking about how the the bucks defense is not going to be the worst defense by dvoa they've clearly made strides yeah and it's not just because they drafted well they actually made one of the best um free agent signings um of the offseason which was shaq barrett shaq barrett you've heard of the guy uh four million dollars on a one-year deal he in Denver for five seasons at 14 sacks. He already has eight sacks um, through three games. Um, and according to Field Yates of ESPN, I guess he had a $250,000 incentive for reaching eight sacks a season. Um, I don't think anyone could have imagined he would have hit that incentive after the third game. We saw him do it against Carolina. We saw him do it on Sunday. So, I mean, you got to say he, he's been doing it against bad offensive lines. But that's what good pass rushers are supposed to do. And it's even a little bit more funny that he's doing this when the Broncos have not had a single sack uh, through their first three games. And Jack Barrett has eight alone. By the way, I want to add my player of the game for that from that game, Janoris Jenkins. He said he couldn't cover one for five or ten seconds last week. He sure as hell didn't do it this week. <laughs> he's a big winner. He did not. Um, not a winner from the Sunday night game. Freddie Kitchens. Oh boy. So look, the Browns lost again and the Browns are now one and two and might be 0 and three if Sam Darnold hadn't gone into the, like in the back of an alley and made out with a bunch of chicks. Um, that, allegedly. That's not ex slander, Brenton. How else would he get motto? That's it's a kissing, it's a kissing disease, right? You, that's a question you don't ever want to ask out loud. <laughs> Did you there, actually there see there are a lot of ways to get motto? I mean, there are. Well, I mean, if you share a drink with someone who has it, it's just, you know, swapping of saliva. But they asked Sam and there's Darnold. there's a lot of ways to swap saliva. Okay. So they asked actually Sam Darnold about it, I think, last week. And he, like, looked at everyone and said, I don't know. And then I guess everyone just, like, looked at him dead silent. And he just, like, started laughing or, like, broke out in a huge smile. So like, there's just like, – n- n- no one can ask you, how would you get mono? That's just, like, what do you, what do you say to that? Well, I mean, he's a handsome – 
quarterback from California who just moved to New York. He's million. He's a millionaire. He's a Jets starting quarterback. He, yeah, he doesn't have to be handsome from California. He can Joe Namath never had mono. Mark I'd, Sanchez never got mono. Yeah. I'd, I'd be doing so much making out if I was the Jets quarterback. It'd be Let's insane. Go. Okay. I'd be making him sick. Let's go. I'd be doing so much making out. <laughs> uh, I was a make-out king in high school. Just ask me. Um, anyway, Sunday Night Football uh, is a, a thing that happened as Diva slaps his head uh, in the in the control room. The Browns lose twenty to thirteen. They also don't cover Freddie because Freddie Kitchens decided to do a couple things that were really stupid. The first thing that was the most stupid, um, and he look. He went, he ran a draw play on fourth and nine around midfield instead of punting it when the team was down four points. Um, what you know my favorite thing is? You tell us your theory that you put out there on Twitter. I, that I agree with Brenton sense. on this 100%. Okay, so my theory on why he ran that third, fourth, fourth and draw, he didn't know it was fourth down. He thought it was third and nine and he was trying to catch the Rams napping and he looked up and he was like, Oh, bleep. And because two plays before on the second down, there had been, uh, uh, there had been one penalty against the Browns. That was declined, right? And then the other penalty um, that wasn't called. DPI. Yeah, DPI. And the Browns could have challenged it but didn't. And I think Freddie thought that those penalties had offset and that and that the that was like it was still third down and third nine. It was not. And uh And he, I also uh, I uh, it this adds credibility to your theory. On that third down play, they also drew up this weird like wide receiver screen that you would not think would have been their third nine call. So I think he thought that was second and nine, and he was running the draw because he was like, okay, we'll create a fourth and four type of situation. Fun fact. After the game, Freddie Kitchen said, that play was my bad. I knew it was fourth down. So he dunked on both you guys. <laughs> I like that. You probably had that queued up, and you wanted Brinson to give his theories just so you could dunk on The theory uh, made That sense. is epic setting yourself what up. What didn't make sense was Freddie's response. Well, and he said it was on the on the call. Bad call. If you wanted that play call, yeah, I wanted that play call on the thought process. It just did not work. It was a bad call. On going forward on fourth and nine, we were trying to win the game. We were on their side of the field. Bad call. I mean, here's the problem. It's a bad I call. Think, I think the draw is more embarrassing. Doing the draw is more embarrassing than forgetting what down it is. At least be like, listen, I forget, but you can't go out there and say as a professional head coach, I forgot it was fourth down. Okay. I didn't know guys. It's I was, a terrible call on third down. I don't know. If you're the head coach of the Browns, that's within your realm of things you can say. That's fair. People uh, have come to expect that. Maybe more frustrating though for Freddie Kitchens is that they got down inside the, inside the five yard line with a chance to tie the game and pass the ball. Ter- terrible. They had three timeouts. They had three. Th- yes, they, had, well, they yeah. abandoned the running game and went empty. What are you doing? Keep the defense on their toes. We talk about all the time how play action is the most useful um, personnel grouping or you know play call. And there, it's funny because they did this in a game against the Rams, the team that uses play action more than any other team. I swear, every single Jared Goff completion downfield comes off play action, and they just completely didn't even pretend like they wanted to run the ball with Nick Chubb, and so. Look, Freddie Kitchens had a terrible night. Um, all the fears we had coming into the season about him are kind of coming true. But I don't – I think this Browns team has a lot of problems because I think you look at that yes. offensive line and it's terrible. But Baker Mayfield is running into a lot of sacks, and he is running out of the pocket to his right, it seems like, on 50% of his dropbacks when pressure is not there. And it was fitting the final play of the game um, that he threw into the end zone that was intercepted – was him bailing on the pocket to the right, and he needs to be, stand in there. He's feeling the ghost now. So, uh, I mean, this Browns team, their defense played well. Um, 
even though their entire starting secondary was out. So I don't really have that many concerns about their defense. Uh, but this team offensively has a lot of issues. Uh, and if you look at Odell, only six, only six catches, 56 yards. Jarvis Landry caught three of his nine targets. Uh, so defensively, they're fine. Offensively, Baker, we said this last week, seems like he's taken a little bit of a step back. I, I agree completely. And, um, look, the things that we said were wrong with the Browns, the offensive line and a head coach who's in his first year who might struggle to acclimate, especially when he's calling plays, it's not working. It's just not working and they're going to get beat by good teams. And they're lucky that the Steelers stink and maybe the Bengals stink too. Cause they'll win those games in the division, but they're this not going is not, to playoffs. It does not look like a playoff team. They got an easy schedule in the back half, but they got to get some wins here. Maybe they're already 0 and 2 at home and like losing your first two home games can't be overlooked. No. By the way, let me, let me point this out quickly and I'm sure we'll talk about the Steelers later, but everyone whinging about, Oh, the Steelers gave this pick. They could draft a quarterback. Say they get Baker Mayfield. We love Baker Mayfield last year. He's in year two. He, he looks not great. They would, and would you, they would trade, uh, make a Fitzpatrick for Baker Mayfield. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Would they? Would they, Brinson? Would they? Yes, Ryan. They would definitely trade. No, they would. They would not. Why would you trade for Baker Mayfield? You would not trade Minka Fitzpatrick for Baker Mayfield. That's the single stupidest thing anyone said on this podcast. I wouldn't trade the Steelers' 2021st round pick for Baker Mayfield, no. That's a lie. What? We were just talking about how he looks terrible. Why would you trade for the guy? Clip it. Clip it. We're putting this on social. Yes, he looks bad. It's been three games, and these are issues that, if they show up the offensive line, are going to help him because the reason he's flushing out of the pocket is because the offensive line is bad. So even when there's not pressure. He he left the pocket. There's a cumulative effect of pressure on quarterbacks. It affects eye levels, and it affects your start to feel ghost pass pass rushers. Ryan, I'm going to suggest that you open up Twitter, go into settings, and turn off all notifications for mentions because you're about to get your bleep blown up. Uh, I don't, look, I don't spend my life on Twitter. I have other things to do. That's and you can make excuses for Baker after not making excuses for him just a moment ago. But if, if Ben Roethlisberger has three years left in his deal, two years after this year, why would you trade for a guy who's going into his third year next year to sit on the bench behind Roethlisberger? Baker has shown plenty. They're adjusting to a new offense. They have a you ter- just got finished saying this is not a good football team. They're not going to make the playoffs. Was that you? Yeah, but if you put him, okay. if you put him, if you put him on Pittsburgh with old Randy Fitchner and that great offensive line <laughs> they have, he'd be fine. It'd exactly. Be fine. I mean, Look, you guys are drunk. I'm well, you take- know what's crazy is that I don't know if you guys remember these comments, but you probably do because they only happened a month ago. But the Browns' <laughs> old offensive line coach Tony Wiley literally said in an interview that Freddie Kitchens did no coaching last year, and the only reason the Browns hired him is because Baker Mayfield liked him. So Kitchens was just like running around in circles and eating grass at practice. And Ken Zampisi was doing most of, uh, like the working with the Browns offense. And this is their offensive line coach from last season. It's and Bob at the time, everybody, Bob, Bob Wiley. So at the time, everyone was just like, Oh, you know, that's just sour grapes. This guy's just bitter that the Browns didn't keep him. But now it's like Freddie Kitchens looks in over his head. He looks like he has no idea what he's doing. And watching the Browns offense is like watching. A cat get neutered. It's like you just don't want to watch it. You don't want to see it. It's horrible. And so, <laughs> cat get like, neutered. You wait. You yeah. Watching a cat get questions. Neutered? Hey, you that's gotta... your Steelers twenty twenty starting quarterback. Uh, by the way, Tony Wiley, former Redskins PR guy. So he. Oh the, yeah, he just retired. He was in the news. Yeah. No yeah. means no. Yeah. Um, remember that? Yeah. Okay. Hey, I have a couple a uh, couple questions. Um, like we call Kirby Cousins Kirby, although he's back to being Kirk now. Uh, I have some suggestions for what we should be calling Freddie. What's that? Freddie Bathroom. 
Freddie Outhouse. <laughs> this is the uh, Freddie Litterbox. This is a rough five minutes for you, Wilson, on this podcast. <laughs> is, that, is that a is that a is that a room other than the kitchen? That's other not than a... the kitchen. You got it. <laughs> terrible. Idea. I think I'm that going. That is with... like the most Grandpa Wilson jokes he's ever made. How about, how about Freddie Foyer? I like Freddie Foyer. Freddie Foyer. Freddie Foyer. How about Freddie Krueger? Because the whole season's been a horror for Cleveland fans. A lot of games left for Cleveland, but I mean, I gotta tell you that, look, the Browns, the Browns have more penalties this season. They had more penalties in the, they have, they had more penalties in the first quarter of this, of this, of this game for the season than the, than the Dolphins have points this year. Okay. That's not good for either one of those teams, but it's particularly bad for the Browns because they look undisciplined. They made tons of mistakes. Freddie's screwing up. I think they're going to go to, um, Todd Munkin and let Todd Munkin call plays. I think you have to, like, Who's going to make that decision, but, though? But but you know what the funny thing is? Then it's like, why did you even hire Freddie Kitchens if he's not calling? Because you hired him because he had so much success as the play caller, and now you're going to strip him of play calling duties. It's like, why would you have a first-year head coach there to manage the situation? I, I like Freddie Kitchens. And I, get, I think he'll be a what good do you like like, about? as a human being, as a coach, or yeah, as a coach. Uh, uh, like I like him, his uh, name. I like, him as, I like his name. I like the puns you can come up with his last name. Um, I like his Freddie Outhouse. Uh, Freddie Outhouse. What do you guys think yeah. about Freddie Bathroom? But, but it doesn't even make sense because like Outhouse isn't even in the ki- isn't even in the house. So it's not even a room in the house. That's it's, why it's called Out House. But it's Very a freestanding good. structure. <laughs> away from the house. Thanks for explaining that. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Um, all right. Uh, anything else on uh, Browns? And, by the Rams. By the Rams. Talk about the Rams. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Jared Goff hasn't looked good once, and the Rams are three and zero. I don't and think they look, look great. They, they won on the road. Good. They've won, they've won two games on the road against a Panthers team that's better than I think their record would indicate, and a Browns team that people were crowning asses for before the season. They had a good defense. Sean just pointed that out. Yeah. So, I mean. Goff struggled, but you still won. They're winning in a different way than they were winning early on last year, but they have three wins, and that's huge in a division where the 49ers are undefeated and the Seahawks are 2-1. and one. I think the, the Rams are fine. They're still sort of sorting things out with a new offensive line, Goff, Trying to shake off that bad ending of last year and and Gurley and his whole knee thing, but I, I those are all really concerning things though. By yeah. the way, just brushed aside. Also concerning, and this has been a thing that we love to crown Sean McVay. He insists on kicking field goals fourth and short. It's so weird. He, I don't get it. Why are you so pro millennial and then you're anti? You're like you're Freddie Kitchens when it comes he's to like, he's like aggressive. He's like aggressive with his play calling. He's like fourth down. <gasps> I mean, Kingsbury does the same thing. It's like just because you're an innovative offensive mind in terms of play calling and scheme doesn't mean you're going to be aggressive situationally. I mean, Andy Reid has the same type of problem where you look at these guys, they're offensive geniuses, and then when it comes to going for a fourth and one to win the game, they won't do it. It doesn't make sense. All right. Let's talk about another coach who did some weird stuff. Um, John Harbaugh going for two. What are your thoughts on that breach? I hate it. I hate everything about it, Brinson. Here's the thing. Okay, so we had, I think the score at the time, it was 30 to 13. Chiefs are winning. And this is the fourth quarter. The Ravens go down. They score points. And all of a sudden, it's 30 to 19. And the Ravens decide to go for two because John Harbaugh in his press conference after the game said, that's our analytics. I don't care if you understand it. Totally down-talking the media like we're all dumb and we've never watched football before. But I don't know if he was inventing analytics on the spot or just, like, you know, asking fans in the stands because there is no analytics that says you should have gone for two in this exact situation. 
Because if you go for two here, that would have made the game 30-21 to 21 if you get it, which they didn't. And then you get another touchdown, you go for two, 30-29. to 29. Like, you're down three scores no matter what. And the only way this would have worked is if they scored three touchdowns and made it 30-21, 30-29, and then they would have been leading 37-30. to 30. So in that sense, it's like, oh, that puts us up a touch on the Chiefs. But it was already the fourth quarter. They weren't scoring two more touchdowns after that. It made no sense. I wasn't buying it. And I thought it was kind of indicative of the Ravens' whole day. It was just like I didn't know what they were doing. Lamar Jackson looked a little lost. Uh, he, he wasn't very accurate. And to be honest, I have not been. Obviously, he tore apart the Dolphins in week one, shredded them. That was the Dolphins. So it, and now that you're looking at it and you, we know how bad the Dolphins are, he was an average quarterback against the Cardinals. He was an average quarterback against the Chiefs. And I'm not saying he's an average quarterback because I, I like him and I think he's good. But all I've seen is two average games from him in the past three weeks when they've actually played actual NFL competition. And so I'm not convinced that – I don't know if he's getting better or getting worse this season. Um, he's getting better, and, and I think especially compared to last year. And I understand what you're saying. You look at his numbers, 22 for 43, like, oh, okay, where's this going? But you watch the way that he played with the ball in his hands, behind the line of scrimmage, creating things with his feet. Um, he's electric. Did, did now, you suggest that Lamar Jackson, you're not sure if he's getting better? I didn't suggest that. Breached it. I, a bug crawled on my foot. And, and no, I, I am basically saying that he's gotten worse each week, but that doesn't mean he's getting worse overall. He still looks better than last year. So uh, let me let me clarify that. Uh, Breach. I mean, that's the worst take I've heard of this podcast. Breaches, breaches since off that he wouldn't <laughs> said he wouldn't trade for Baker Mayfield. I, wait, a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How many has he thrown since then? Hold on, Sean. Hold on, Sean. Let me finish. I agree with Breach on ninety-five percent of the things he's. He's, he, I just saw him drop acid earlier, so I think that's something to do with it. I want to say. I think he watched the cat get neutered or something. Yeah, that's what he, that's what happened. I want to say, look, he's exactly right about going for two in that situation when it was, uh, 30 to 19 or whatever. That was idiotic. But I had absolutely no issue with going for the extra, the two point conversion when they scored first. Uh, they didn't get it. And they missed on three other fourth and short opportunities. I have no issue with that given the circumstances where they were playing. And how they're trying to win that football game. Yep. The the other one that Breach talked about that was that was sort of bonkers. Yeah, but I, I think Lamar Jackson, in terms of his his stat line, isn't impressive. But in terms of the way he's playing, I'm excited about where he can go. And I say that as someone who hates the Ravens. Um, but you went up against the uh, the Chiefs in Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes is you know Sean will talk about how he's not regressing, and we saw that as clear as day. So I don't have any issue with what they did, other than that that crazy sort of. Uh, 30 to 19 two point conversion try. Yeah, I loved the attitude, at least on fourth down. They went for a fourth and one in the first half from their own 34 yard line, which, you know, I don't think most teams would do that. But I think if you're in Kansas City against Mahomes, it's the kind of thing where, you know, you don't go to Foxborough and kick field goals. You don't go to Arrowhead and punt on fourth and one. Uh, so the I've, Steelers go to Foxborough and kick field goals, Sean. Yeah, but they don't. Okay. Exactly. Um, the thing with, with Lamar, I get what Breach is saying because. Sean, Sean. Can I can I stop you real quick? Listen, I mean, you're, you're you don't have, have to ask permission. You're going to do it no matter what. So yeah, just. that's right. That's right. But I just wanted to make it seem like I was being polite when I'm not. Um, you're going to wax philosophical about Patrick Mahomes for like five minutes. Do you want to do that now or do you just want to keep talking about Lamar? Are you saying we should move on from Lamar? I mean, politely, he is, yes. Yes. Okay. We can talk about Mahomes. Uh, I mean, Lamar made some dumb mistakes. 
He has some bad throws. He needs to get better on a throw-to-throw basis. Like, he is electric, and he made incredible electric plays that Ryan is alluding to, especially with his legs. But he also missed Hollywood Brown on a couple deep shots that were wide open. So he just it's all about getting better on a throw-to-throw basis. But no, really he started, cross cross-field throw was a, was a disaster. Lamar Jackson's also 22 years old. He started less than a full season of games still. So let's not I, act I like I don't even think you count last year because, I mean, he wasn't like he was. I mean, it was action, but he was running this offense that they weren't that they're not running now. So, I mean, like to me, it's it is way too early to be panicking about Lamar Jackson breach. Uh, what about Patrick Mahomes? Though? He's getting better. He's on pace for nine million st- uh, yards. And I believe that he is not uh, regressing if he'll uh, check my math. <laughs> this is a I feel like you're on the wrong side of this, Princeton. Like, I don't know if you want to be. Mocking the people who are saying Patrick Mahomes is the greatest person to ever play quarterback. What will happen if he does that? Do you think that Patrick Mahomes is go- – I mean, do you think he's going to throw for 6,400 6, yards this year? Because he's not. He's just not going to. I think he has a legitimate chance. I think he'll set the passing record, assuming he doesn't get hurt, uh, for passing guards. What? Why is that so inexplicable? He threw for I mean, 5,000 yards last year. He was 400 saying- yards away from breaking the record last year. Yeah, you're. Yeah, that's an extra game, and it's an extra huge game. Yeah, and you know what he's. And it's been three games, and he's on pace for six hundred yards. But you're talking about it in a way you're like, I think I'm gonna eat breakfast in the morning. Like he's just not gonna roll out of bed and just break the passing record. He has 13 more games. He has to average what? Look, Breach is gonna add nine plus four. I don't. I don't think we can do that kind of math. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, I. I the whole argument. This whole offseason was, look, he's going to regress because this is just what history tells us. I legitimately think we have not seen a quarterback like Mahomes in an era of, of, of football right now that is so geared towards these offenses with a coach like Andy Reid with an offense that is this loaded with talent. I mean, they don't have Tyreek Hill out there, and it doesn't matter. So they're going to get Tyreek Hill back. And the other thing that I want to bring up is if you look at his big touchdown pass to Hardman today, there's not a single defender even close to him, and they're playing a good Ravens defense. If you yeah. look at last season's stats, according to Next Gen, uh, Next Gen NFL stats, uh, he had the fifth lowest tight window percentage, which means he was not throwing into tight coverages. It was only 12% of the time. Through the first two weeks of the year, he was at 9% of the time throwing into tight windows. And if you look at a touchdown to Hardman, it's throws like that that he's getting every single week. That is why I think it is sustainable because Andy Reid is drawing up these wide open bombs that they're going to keep throwing the they're going to keep drawing them up. And if you look at last year, the games that he struggled in the most was against the Jaguars, was against the Ravens, and he's just breezed through those teams so far. And well, I will say real quick, isn't as good as last yeah, year. Yeah, the Ravens isn't as good as last year, and the Jags were crap in Week One. They've got to play the Broncos, Packers, Vikings, Titans, Chargers, Patriots, and Broncos again, Bears, and Chargers again. I mean, like he's not going to throw for 400 yards. Every I, time. But he yeah, doesn't I, have to. To break the record, all he has to do is average 329.4 yards per game for his final 13 games, and he has sure. not thrown for under 370 yards in a single game yet this season. And he's Bro, played. How many? I'm sorry. How many yards is that? He has, 29 a game to, he to break the NFL record, not to get to like 6,000. Yeah. I don't think he's going to get the 6,000. He averaged 318 yards a game last year. So he basically has to be better for the, for the entire 13 games than he was all of last season on an average yards per game basis. That's probably going to happen, guys. That's probably going to happen. Why are you guys making me agree with Brenton? You both should be ashamed so of yourself, stupid. not Sean. So I, I am not agreeing. I just pointed out that I'm the math guy here. I am not agreeing with Sean <laughs> or you guys. 
It's so stupid. I'm the math guy. My God, no one he attacks might, the math guy. He might guy. break the record. It's possible, but he's got to pay a bunch of good defenses. I mean, like it's that's a, what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm, uh, I'm, you're no, talking, and he's got to save off Andy Dalton. That's right. I'm not, the, I've never. Just, wait a minute. I've never sat here and guaranteed he's going to throw for six thousand yards. I'm saying he has a coach, he has an offense, and he has the talent to actually legitimately a, do this. He has a coach and offense. He has and a talent. Yeah. And they also uh, run plays. That's they run and plays. they also run they, plays. Look, I mean, look, they're an awesome offense. Mahomes is incredible. It's he's the most fun player to watch in football right now by far. Um, when you look at what he's done through the first twenty games of his career, this is his twentieth career game this year. He passed for um, he has the highest marks in quarterback by a quarterback in terms of passing yards six thousand five hundred seventy six passing touchdown 60, and passer rating 115.3 in NFL history. He also recorded his 13th career game with at least 300 passing yards, passing Kurt Warner for the most by a player in his first 20 stats. Start. So, like, I get it. He's awesome. But he's probably not going to break the passing record because it's really hard to do, and it's absurd to act like he – it's like, like, I don't know, like, like it's like, like somebody using the – like, going out to the outhouse. Like, it's not – like, it's, you know, it's not – uh, the last point I want to make about the Chiefs is I, well, no, and, and about the Ravens is this game was billed as like the best game of the week between two legitimate MVP candidates and two Super Bowl contenders. I do think this is the week where we kind of start to see tiers between teams um, start to develop. And I thought what this game reinforced is that there is a difference in quality between Lamar and between Patrick Mahomes. And I think there's a slight difference. There's a crap. Crap. I think there's a difference in quality between the Chiefs and Ravens. People up until this week were talking about the Ravens are right up there with the Chiefs and Patriots. And I think this week is showing I that, I, that I think there's a tier that is above the Ravens and it has the Patriots and Chiefs on it. And then I don't you have a tier all the Ravens are fraud, but I'm prepared to. And then there's a tier directly <laughs> below that where you have teams like the Ravens and the Rams who have started out really well. But I'm not quite sure how good they are to this point in the season where I know the Chiefs and Patriots are good. They're going to be there in January. The thing that concerns me about the Chiefs and why I would not take them to beat the Patriots in the playoffs is what stinks. That, but it's even more concerning than that. We were just talking about how Sean McVay won't go for fourth and ones. Andy Reid has this major problem with clock management and being aggressive at the end of half situations. And we saw it at the end of the first half, they passed up a chance to try to throw it into the end zone. Patrick Mahomes did not want to take a timeout with 10 seconds left. Andy Reid did it. Andy Reid then didn't let Mahomes go out there and throw a bomb into the end zone. He kicked the field goal. Mahomes did not look happy going to the sideline. And it's plays like that, that kind of uh, give me pause. Cause that I think could be the reason why it, it's, it's what's going to hold them back against superior coaching. Pop quiz. Pop quiz, hot shot. Patrick Mahomes has 1,195 yards through three games. Did Peyton Manning have more or less than that when he broke the all-time passing record in 2013? Um, I mean, because you're asking us on this podcast after you. You know what, Brenton? We should we should find the answer out after the break. Yeah, after the break, we'll tell you the answer to Breach's little stupid pop quiz. <laughs> Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. (laughs) I don't know the answer. What's the answer? Yeah, more or less. But Peyton Manning threw three games in 2013, more or less yards than uh, Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to say that he had more. More guesses. I need more guesses. Because you asked it, I'm going to say more. But if you hadn't framed it like that, if I just had to guess before you asked it, I probably would have said less. Less. Sean, let's try to get two answers. And you know who the winner of this pop quiz is besides me? It is Ryan Wilson. He had less. Peyton had 11.43. Mahomes is at 11.95. Boom. There you go. Roasted. All right, what else? Uh, and don't forget, when Peyton set that record, he had a week 11 of that 2013 season, because I read about this the other day, he threw for 150 passing yards against the Patriots. So maybe Mahomes won't throw for 320 every freaking week, Sean. God, grow up. Uh Moving along. He's like Napoleon Dynamite on that one. That was a good one. <laughs> God. God. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, we had a bunch of backups in the uh, afternoon slate. They were all clustered together. That's why you would write about them in one spot instead of including other quarterbacks like Luke Falk. Um, just kidding. What the Falk? By the way, oh my God. Uh, Adam Gold, uh, my buddy who, uh, does radio in Raleigh, um, texted me. I think it was Gold who texted me. Did you know, Breach, that, um, did, did I tell you about, did I tell you about Ficken? You know, you're I got, like, I, I got the bad news that, uh, I might get a, Fine from the FCC coming up here for having Ficken, a thing. Ficken actually, time. German apparently is a pretty bad swear word. So good for you. We're just like, we were having a great thicking time on here. Nobody's telling me what I say. It's like, oh, well, what is it? I, if you're listening in Germany, I would like to apologize to our listeners in Germany. Apparently, oh, Ficken, yeah. Sam Ficken's last name is, is the F bomb in Germany. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we had that going for us. Uh, the backup quarterbacks, four of them. We mentioned uh, Daniel Danny Dimes, who stepped in. There were three other guys in the afternoon slate that I think weren't talking about. We sort of clustered these games together. All through, all like Daniel Jones, all three of these guys were on the road. They were all heavy underdogs. Uh, they went two and one, and, and should have been three and zero if Mason Rudolph could have managed to keep himself from peeing down his leg. Uh, but Mason Rudolph of the Steelers, Kyle Allen of the Panthers, and also Teddy Bridgewater of the Saints. Uh, I would say easily Ryan Wilson that. Um, that Mason was the least impressive guy out of that group. Not, I mean, he is Mason Outhouse as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to run this joke <laughs> to the ground until you all start liking it. Uh, I'll give you three names. You can tell me which one doesn't fit. You already know the answer because we talked about this already, but for the viewers or for the listeners, Norv Turner, Sean Payton, Randy Fickner. Norv Turner and Sean Payton did their best to help their quarterbacks today. Uh, Randy Fickner did not, the, the OC for, for the Steelers. Mason didn't have a chance. I think he threw for 40 yards in the first half. And something that I sort of slept on, um, I didn't think the Steelers were going to go out there and win out west. They were one and five under Tomlin going out west. Now they're one and six. But the 49ers defense, according to our buddies, the football outsiders, ranked second coming into this uh, week behind only the Patriots. A Patriots team who hasn't given up a touchdown yet defensively, which is mind boggling. 
And they were getting after the 49ers. We know they got Nick Bosa. We know they have Armstead. We know they have Solomon Thomas, um, DeForest Buckner, and all those guys were getting after it. And the, the Steelers' offensive line, which is not terrible, struggled. Um, when your defense generates seven, uh, five turnovers and you lose a football game the way they lost that football game, um, there are no amount of excuses that fixes it. Randy Fichter did nothing to help Mason Rudolph get easy looks. If you watch Jimmy G play with Kyle Shanahan, who might be the best offensive play caller, we're talking about Andy Reid and Sean McVay. I think Kyle Shanahan has an argument to be to, to be number one. Jimmy G got so many open looks. Now, look, he took a beating. I think he was hit 10 or 11 times and, and sacked a few times. But he stood in the pocket, and, and he did as well as he could have, he, he could have done, and those open looks were there, and, and they, they converted those eventually to touchdowns. So the Seals are a bad football team. We'll see how this plays out. I'm totally fine with trading the first-round pick, which could be a top-five pick for Minka Fitzpatrick because Minka Fitzpatrick is really awesome. He had an interception and a forced fumble in the first four series of the game, and I think he's going to be um, a great player. They just need to figure out, have someone call both offensive and defensive plays. Mm. Worst one, worst backup quarterback breach? Who, who's, who would you rather have, Mason Rudolph or Andy Dalton? Oh, come on. Uh, oh, and that's not even close. I would rather have... For, for, I would rather have Ryan Wilson than Mason Rudolph after the they forced five turnovers and lost Brinson. Do you know how hard that is? Here's a fun fact about how hard that is. Since 2016, teams that have forced five turnovers have gone 28 wins, zero losses, and one tie. None of them have lost. And the Steelers ended that three-year streak of never losing. They If you're a quarterback and your defense gifts you Five turnovers. There is a zero percent reason you should lose. So we can two of the turnovers in the red zone, John. Two in the red. I mean, it's just it's and amazing. they were so. real quick. They were fumbled snaps, so it wasn't even like the Steelers were doing a great job of taking the ball away. They were just botched exchanges in the red zone. So the the, the 49ers well, were anything. terrible. They still got the ball. No, I'm just pointing out the 49ers were so sloppy in this game, and to me, they're the that three and zero team that. Uh, should not be 3-0 and and is not reflective of how actually good they are. You know what's funny about you saying that, Sean, is because you're Mr. Point Differential. And uh, you know who has am I, the, if, wait, if, am I? Am I? You know who has the you know who has the fourth best point differential in the NFL? Is it, is it the 49ers? The 49ers. And you know Somebody's who has about the, to get dunked on? You know who has the number one point differential when you don't count teams that have played the Dolphins because the Dolphins aren't a real football team? The 49ers, only three teams ahead of them, okay, but you gotta, have all the played the Dolphins. The problem is you got to count the Dolphins because those games matter. The problem and, is, and, the problem and is you just got dunked You on. got dunked on. Dunked. That's uh, an MVP dunk. All right, we mentioned uh, point. I, I think the 49ers defense might be a top uh, top Ooh, ten. They top. are legit, dude. They got faster. Now, I mean, they've also, it's worth pointing out, well, although the Steelers have a good offensive line, right? I mean, like, because they've mostly played teams that don't have a good offensive line. This Mike Munchak thing leaving might be a problem for Pittsburgh. Yeah, the the, the guy who took over for him is supposed to be uh, an acolyte, but I mean, at the end of the day, it ain't Mike Munchak. Although Mike Munchak has his own problems with Garrett Bowles. By the way, the Dolphins have a negative one seven. We'll get to the Dolphins in a second. Uh, let's talk about the Seahawks. Um, Seahawks are two and one, and now Sean, after losing to the Saints at home with Teddy Bridgewater, who we mentioned, and who I thought looked like a Good game manager in this game. Well, it didn't blow me away. The game manager didn't attempt a single pass more than 20 yards down the field. Uh, dinked and dunk, uh, but basically threw to Alvin Kamara. He had 10, 10 targets, nine catches, receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Kamara was incredible. Um, but the, uh, the Saints moved to two and one. The Seahawks fell to two and one. And Seattle now has it, Sean, a negative three point differential. 
Yeah, and it should be a lot worse because anyone who watched this game knows that it wasn't a 33-27 game. The Seahawks actually scored a touchdown on the final play of the game. I mean, you and look un, at an untimed down, no less. You look at Seattle hey, and hey, Sean. Guess what? Fun fact: this was a 33-27 game. As crickets, crickets. The Seahawks. I love the the crazy thing about the Seahawks is they could be 0 and three. Because we've been over it in week one. They should have lost to the Bengals. They went across the country against the Steelers, and they played for a half against Mason Rudolph, who we just went over, was not good. Bruce is giving me looks. I don't know oh, why. that he's... game was like the St. Seahawks game. The Seahawks had that one all the way, and the Steelers scored late to make it look close. My, the, my point I'm making is that they were playing against a backup quarterback in that game. They should have won, and they, they still eked it out. It, I mean, there was a point in that second half in week two. We don't got to go over it, where Mason Rudolph looked halfway decent. And so this Seahawks team could be 0-3. They got a couple good breaks. They're 2-1. I was just saying the 49ers are good at 3-0. I mean, I think the 49ers and Seahawks are closer in talent than the Seahawks and Rams, and that's kind of what we thought the competition was going to be. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Seahawks missed the playoffs because they're in this stacked division. I mean, even if you don't think the 49ers are good, Breach pointed out, Third and point differential, and, they're, and at the end of the day, they're three and zero. That matters. Stacking wins, um, I believe, is something I've been saying on this podcast before anyone else started saying it. And so, I'm worried about the Seahawks. I think they can turn it around, but part of the approach that concerns me is they are so focused on establishing the run. And then we saw at the end of the game when they're chasing points and they're letting Russell Wilson throw the ball a ton. That's when they actually started moving the ball a bit. So. Um, I think Brian Schottenheimer, Schottenheimer, if we're talking about offensive coordinators, is holding back this team a little bit. Um, I'm not writing them off, but they've disappointed me to this point, and I think all of us picked them to win the division, or at the very least we all picked them to make the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they look like a playoff team. Uh, I, but the thing about the Saints is I think they can win like this. With Teddy, Broad, Teddy Bridgewater taking care of the ball and not turning the ball over, feeding Kamara, uh, Michael Thomas didn't get a target early, but he came on late. Like, if the NFC South is this mess that is going to, you know, take nine wins, win the division, I think they can win with this style of fashion until Drew With Bruce their defense scoring touchdowns and their special teams scoring touchdowns? I mean, this is a good defense. I think this should be a good defense, so absolutely. Sean, Sean thinks the 2-1 and one Saints, currently the only team above 500 in the NFC South, can manage to win the division. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. Screw you, Brenton. I'm saying a team without their starting court, Hall of Fame starting quarterback can make the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Sean so, digs dig these deep holes, and he, instead of quit talking, he just keeps talking. He's like, screw you, Brenton. No one tells me what I'm doing. I'm going to go have my – Here's and, – and, and you just mentioned I'm those touchdowns. To I'll go to the movies, Mom. Brenton, I think that a lot of times you'll see each week where there's like an overreaction game where people overcompensate and react maybe a way they shouldn't to to one certain game. Like in week one, I think it was the Bengals-Seahawks game. Everybody jumped on the Bengals bandwagon, thought they could beat the 49ers in week two, and then they got smoked. And in this game, you look at what happened. You mentioned two non-offensive touchdowns. They've got a fumble return for a touchdown. they got a punt return for a touchdown. They're not going to be getting that every week. And so – you look at this, you think the Seahawks were bad. Yes, their offense is going to struggle, but they're eventually going to figure it out because the Seahawks, they struggle in September all the time. Not necessarily at home, but on the road they do. Um, and, and then you look at Pete Carroll is like coaching with a concussion. I don't even think that guy, if you hold three fingers in front of his face, I don't think he would have known because he got hit with the football before the game and had stitches on his face. Uh, so there is, I, like this is, I, I still am on the Seahawks bandwagon. I'm not worried about them at all. And I don't think 
this game is necessarily indicative of how the Saints are going to be able to play with Teddy Bridgewater because they got shot out to basically a free lead. They got two free touchdowns in the first half that they're definitely not going to get. And so, yeah, they play the Cardinals, or I don't even know who they play next. They play the Cowboys on Sunday night. Yeah, so that that's when we're going to see how good Teddy Bridgewater is. Yeah. By the way, I would point out quickly, when um, Pete Carroll gets out of concussion protocol, he needs to show Brian Schottenheimer the Steelers game where they let Russell Wilson take over the second half. And just do that. Don't complicate it. Don't do a bunch of stupid stuff. Because Schottenheimer, that was issue last year. Uh, Seahawks fans were going crazy at the end of the year because Schottenheimer just kept running the ball. You pay Russell Wilson more than any other player in the league is paid. Let him be a quarterback. And Russell ended up with a monster game because he was they were playing from behind all game. He had 406 passing yards, 50 passing attempts, two touchdowns. And uh, he also ran seven times for 51 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Like, let Russell be Russell, man. What are you doing? All right. Uh, the Panthers, Kyle Allen stepped in for Cam Newton. The Panthers were, uh, dogs. They were initially, uh, actually their favorite going into Arizona. After Cam was ruled out, they were underdogs, but Kyle Allen balled out for the Carolina Panthers. He had, uh, 261 passing yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, completed 73% of his passes, and, um, just generally looked awesome. And it's the first time in Panthers franchise history that a quarterback has thrown for 250 passing yards, had four touchdowns, and a quarterback rating of 140 or more, and it is bringing out, guys. That, I mean, I'm getting texts all day from, like, the people I argue with about Cam. They're like, what I tell you about Cam? Cam's, uh, Cam's busted. I told him he's not accurate. He, he stinks as a quarterback. This is Kyle Allen. We got ourselves a quarterback. Woo-hoo! It's like, Settle down. I know what you, I know what you're doing. All these people on Twitter are like coming out of the woodwork too. They're like, we told you Cam is inaccurate. It's like, no, Cam's not inaccurate. He's got a broken bone in his foot and his shoulder's about to fall off. Okay. He's injured. But is Kyle Allen good? Maybe. He had a bunch of juice in this game because he was going back to play at home. He's from Scottsdale and, uh, he was against Kyler Murray. Fun fact, Sean. Kyler Murray, Kyle Allen's old teammate at Texas A&M. Bang. That's fun. Um, they both transferred the same year. Oh, paving the way, I believe, for one, uh, Johnny Menzel? Is it Menzel or is it, uh, who was it? Anyway, um, buying or selling that Kyle Allen could help the uh, Panthers win the NFC South breach. I'm buying it, man. Here is the thing is that the NFC South is trash right now. So that's part of it. That definitely plays into it. And that's why Sean thinks the Saints can win, uh, the AFC, NFC South without their Hall of Fame quarterback. But you look at what Kyle Allen did. And I know it was against the Cardinals. I know, guys. I know you're going to rip me. You're going to rip me hard. But I think, on. Go ahead. I think the Panthers could legitimately be 3-0 if Kyle Allen had been their starting quarterback. And that doesn't mean he's better than Cam Newton. That means he's better than an unhealthy Cam Newton. Cam Newton, we've seen him. They couldn't even call a QB sneak on fourth and one multiple times in their week two game. You have Kyle Allen, you call that QB sneak all day. And so if Cam Newton's only playing at 70%, I'm going to take 100% Kyle Allen over 70% Cam Newton, over 75% Cam Newton, over 90% Cam Newton. I don't want Cam Newton back on the field until he's 100%. If that takes two weeks, if that's four weeks, six weeks, then you keep him out until he's 100% healthy and he can actually not be losing games because he's lost eight straight starts. So I'm keeping Cal Allen in there, and I think he can win the South, Brenton. I actually don't disagree with that. Um, we talked earlier about this, and John was trying to make it sound like that Cal Allen was the next coming of Jake DeLome. But um, he sort of tempered that. <laughs> by the way, by the way they're, they're at the Texans, get the Jaguars at home, then they're at the, or then they play the Buccaneers in London before their week seven break. And those are three winnable games. The Texans will be interesting. I want to see how that plays out. I don't know if that's when, we'll see. But right, the other two certainly. And if, if, uh, 
in that week six game against the Bucks if Bruce Arians is kicking 85 yard field goals because he wants to give his kicker more room, then the, you know the Panthers are going to win by 30. <laughs> he needs some more runway. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm all in on Kyle Allen for now. We'll see. I mean, we we'll see how the, we'll see how it goes. He had a great game. I'm super pumped for him. But you know, these things fluctuate. Can I ask you guys? Do you think? I mean, Sprint said you'd probably be able to answer this better, but. Is this a, a situation where if Kyle Allen plays one more good game, that there will actually be legitimate what yes. happens when Cam's back? Do yes. they stick with uh, tomorrow? Tomorrow or today in in Charlotte on WFNZ is going to be a absolute s show of people calling. I I've been saying for years we needed to bench Cam. I just maybe he should just follow Andrew Luck's move and retire. And uh, and then, but Ron Rivera is not going to be doing that after two good games. No, Kyle Allen's just going to play. But I, I think Breach is spot on. You let Cam sit and get healthy and let him rest and get, and once he's ready to come back, he's still Cam Newton. But like the throws that he was missing against Tampa Bay last Thursday mm. were, I mean, they were wide it, open. Yeah, and Kyle Allen was hitting those throws. Also, why didn't they put in Kyle Allen in the second half against Tampa Bay? Like they would have won that game with him out there. It's very bizarre. And that, guys, game, that game had a delay. That's where, like, your injured quarterback starts getting stiff. You put in the backup. Yeah. Did you guys, by the way, see the tweets about – do you remember that old Cam Newton commercial for, like, NFL about, like – it was, like, that little boy who he's, like, yeah. I'll become your mom's favorite player, and he's, like, warming up his arm. Yeah. And there's, like, the tweets about how that – it's actually Kyle Allen, and he finally was, actually fulfilled yeah. his destiny. Matt, uh, Matt uh, Harmon of um... – I think of uh, Yahoo Fantasy had that out there. That was pretty good. Uh, the Lions remained unbeaten. They toppled the Eagles 27-24. Uh, curious, Debo, what's your, uh, what's your panic level on the, the Eagles? One and two now after losing the Lions. Not panic, just need some health and limited mistakes. That sounds like that's the like what, That's like what Bruce Aaron said about like Jameis Winston. As not, long as he stops throwing the interceptions, we'll be fine. Yeah. Seven as long drops, as they start not scoring good. and winning games, we'll be fine. Seven drops, not good, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, what, Aguilar is the number one wide receiver out there because Jeffrey was hurt. Sean Jackson was hurt. Um, this is the best, as Debo's game notes helpfully point out, the best three-game start to a season since 2011 for the Lions when they were 3-0 and and made the playoffs that year. Uh, oh, I know. Uh, Ryan. <laughs> Where's your head at with this Matt Patricia stuff? Man, this team should be 3-0. and <laughs> You are freaking out. I'm not freaking out. I'm, I'm, look, he's still, he's, he's turned this thing around through three games. And I've always liked Matthew Stafford and I always felt bad that he had to take a beating back there. This thing <laughs> appears to be coming together. I mean, Jim Caldwell went nine and seven in back to back years. I always say that. And then he got fired. And last year, the, um, the Lions were absolutely terrible and they were making stupid mistakes. They somehow let the, the, um, Cardinals tie that game in week one, a game they had in hand. And, um, they've turned this thing around and Debo hidden at it. The uh, Eagles are hurt. Miles Sanders had a couple of fumbles. Um, when Nelson Aguilar is your main dude, yeah, that, that's sort of an issue. That I mean, said – Miles Sanders let him in receiving and rushing. 53 rushing yards, 73 receiving yards. That's a problem. Yeah, that said, if you're the, if you're the uh, Eagles, you probably don't feel great about losing to the Lions at home. Uh, the, the other side of that coin is good for Matt, good for Matt Patricia. Uh, he, he seems uh, – I was watching the, the post-game locker room talk with the team they seem to buy in he seems to be you know less rigid than he is when he's making fun of slovenly looking media people and um good for them 
I, I like legit. Good for them. I'm not still a huge Matt, Matt Patricia fan, but I like Matthew Stafford. And, and it's a smart move on your part to sort of just like diffuse the situation because you realize. Well, what, double down. The guy, the team should be three and zero. No, yeah. I can't believe this. This is ridiculous, Ryan. How could you back off the Patricia's yeah. a buffoon train? You are the engineer of this all along, and you should Thanks. stay on. There is no reason yeah. to get off right now. First, let me to the horn of myself and one other person. Wait, no, he said, let me toot. And then there's a long pause. Right. He sounds like I seven. He, as he uh, well, what I was going <laughs> to say, but he also said, let me toot the horn of myself, which is not a <laughs> only two of us pick the lions to beat Allow the Eagles. Allow me to use my back to pat myself. On. And they're both on this podcast. That is me and Brinson both pick the lions and win this game. For the reason that Wilson and Debo both mentioned, the Eagles were just so beat up, they were gonna, it was gonna be hard for them to win. But you look at the Lions, here's what they've done. They blew a 24 to 9 lead in the fourth quarter of a game they tied to a horrible, horrible team. They beat the Chargers because the Chargers were using a punter as their <laughs> place kicker. That is literally it. They won that game by three points. They should have lost by probably a touchdown. And they won this game because the Eagles dressed 14 people in a game where you need a 53-man roster. So just like they've literally been dealt free hand after free hand. they got a reality check coming up. They have the Chiefs, the Packers, the Vikings. This will be the last podcast where we say anything good about the Lions because they're going to lose all three of those games. It's over. Sorry, Detroit. And Reach. Wilson will be they, right back on the hate train. The, Lions the only thing also- I would say, Reach, just let me say this quickly, you can go, Sean, is that last year the Lions under Matt Patricia and that fat beard of his would be 0-3. So at least they're 2-0-1. I will say this, though. They tried to blow this game. Um, but they couldn't. That's how good a coach he is. With 153 left in the game, they were uh, – am I echoing? Yes, sure. So with 153 left in the game, they lined up for a field goal. Um, they're up by three. And they had it blocked, and it got returned really far down the field. And it looked like they were about to blow the game. And the Eagles just completely self-combusted. They just went backwards on four plays. But I didn't watch this game thinking like, oh, the Lions, you know, they took it, you know, they took care of business. They beat up on a, on a banged up team. It, like this was not, this win should have been easier because to you guys point, uh, the Lions, or sorry, the Eagles were so banged up that I felt like they should have won by more. And I'm with Breach. Wilson should be doubling down on this because I think it's going to come tumbling back down. I think the, I think the Lions are actually pretty good. I think they got a decent defense and I don't think they're necessarily coached particularly well. And let's see Matthew Stafford beat a good team first before we, like his record against winning teams is, is just terrible. Um, so let's see that happen, but I don't know. Uh, and one, they're undefeated, undefeated. That's all. The next two weeks, undefeated teams. That's right. Good point. Um, one team that is also undefeated, the Dallas Cowboys. They uh, cruise to a 31-6 to win over the Miami Dolphins. Um, some shenanigans if you pick the Cowboys to cover. Tony Pollard punched one in late to, to give an easy cover. Uh, the Jets, by the way, covered against the Patriots, so they're 1-1 in one of those 20-point spreads. Uh, Amari Cooper, third straight game with a touchdown catch. Dak Prescott was outstanding. I wish I'd, I wish I'd picked him to be my MVP instead of just betting on him because then I'd be, I'd be running around trumping up, uh, Dak Prescott had two carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. Also threw for 246 yards, two touchdowns. Had, did have an interception as well on pace for almost 5,000 yards and 48 passing touchdowns. Pretty good stuff from Dak, right? Right, Sean? Yeah. And he actually had a little bit of a rough first half there. And I mean, it was, a 10 to 6 game at halftime, which was kind of 
wild at the time. And on the other side, I thought Josh Rosen actually played pretty well. But, you know, Dak said, I think, uh, that he, you know, was just getting too aggressive, overconfident, and going for too much in the first half. In this offense, though, with Kellen Moore, I think you're right. He is a legitimate MVP candidate. And especially we've talked about it, the narrative matters so much. And if, if I think he has, A, he just plays for the Cowboys. And there was all that contract stuff that I think that, he has a narrative going for him. And the Cowboys, we just talked about the Eagles. The Cowboys look like far and away the best team in the NFC East. So if they win the division and Dak Prescott, he's not going to throw for 5,000 yards probably. Uh, he's not going to pull him a Mahomes. But I think he's a legitimate MVP candidate. And if you want to rank them right now, it's probably what, Mahomes? Is Dak would be number two? Would you put Dak at two? Because Lamar took a little bit of a hit. To I, mean, I think I think Dak could be one. I have no problem with Dak being one. I mean, Mahomes is great, but like if, if they were voting today, I think they like if if this was the end of the season and we're just going by what we've seen the first three weeks, I think Dak would get it because of voter fatigue because they don't want they don't typically reward a guy in back to back years. And like Mahomes is awesome, but he has incredible infrastructure around him. I mean, Gardner, I, I, Gardner I, Minshew, Minshew would be mm-hmm. up there. I mean, Lamar would have been up there until they lost to the Chiefs, but yeah, I mean, I think Mahomes is, it's, I mean, Dak and Mahomes are probably the top two, right? And Brinson, your boy Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook? In the conversation. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I meant to ask you this with the Lions. Uh, well, anything else you want to add? I mean, Dak beat up on a bad Dolphins. Well, team, I think right? Josh Rosen played well, and his numbers won't reflect that, but there was a touchdown pass that was dropped. They fumbled on the goal line. I actually thought, considering his supporting cast, I was actually pretty impressed. And he probably won't be the quarterback there next year because they're going to have a really high draft pick. But, again, and it's the tragedy of his career so far. I would love to see him on a competent team because I I still think he can't be a good starter. Well, and to that point real quick, you saying that Rosen played competent because he absolutely did. It makes Brian Flores look like what, why didn't you start this guy to start the season? What were you thinking? This is Ryan Wilson. You should jump from the Matt Patricia has no idea what he's doing to Brian Flores. That should be your new uh Hey, Let me ask you, what what was the worst decision? My guy Sean McDermott sticking with Nate Peterman last year or Brian Flores for some ungodly reason sticking with Ryan Fitzpatrick? Oh, the Peterman one is in a class of its own up with Bruce Arians field goal scooting back. But this that's number two or three behind those two. I will say quickly, uh, Sean said that the Cowboys are the best team in that division. They're the best team in the NFC. Um, second place is obviously the Lions. I think you could argue, I think you'd argue that the Cowboys might be the best team in the NFL. The Chiefs do have the Patriots. I can already see how Brinson sells this podcast on Twitter. Are the Cowboys the best team in the NFL? Subscribe right now. We discussed when really Brinson mentioned it. We all rejected it. (laughs) All right. Speaking of the Patriots, you mentioned the Patriots. They did not cover thanks to a uh, a late. uh, Oh, they pulled Brady. They pulled Tom Brady in this game. It didn't run up the score. Um, Well, they pulled him. And they put in their backup, and he threw they put a pick in Jared six. Stidham. Jared he Stidham threw a pick, pick six, six, and they put Brady back in. Oh, they did. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. okay, that's why do they do that? That's weird. I don't uh, understand why. I don't know what the thinking is there. I don't know if you're trying to punish Stidham, who is your only quarterback right now. But putting Brady out there seems insane to me. Um, almost as insane as starting Nathan Peterman and, and starting uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Bruce Arians kicking 85-yard field goals. On what planet does it make sense to put your 42-year-old quarterback out there in a game that literally means nothing in the fourth quarter? Uh, I mean, Adam Gase was asked about it earlier this week, and he said, hey, I'm all up for teams running the score because once you're up by that many points in the fourth quarter, it's basically practice reps except in a game, and you you cannot replicate that atmosphere in practice. And he's like, I would always do that, and I would not be surprised. I don't think 
Bill Belichick and Adam Gase have much in common, but I could see that line of thinking uh, being in common, and Belichick does think like that. And I do think that the only reason Brady got pulled today is because Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman both got injured at different points in the game, and Belichick's like pooping his pants because he doesn't want Brady to get hurt, so you got to pull him out because they were up huge on the Dolphins, and Brady didn't get pulled. They, they've been up huge in, against the Steelers. Brady didn't get pulled. Well, interesting. Like against that Dolphins game, it did feel like too they were trying to get Antonio Brown plenty of reps. Antonio Brown, by the way, since our emergency podcast, thanks everybody for listening. To that of course <laughs> we banged those out left and right. We did it on Friday afternoon. Uh, he tweeted through it, and um, I don't think he's coming back to the NFL, guys. Do you agree with my sentiment from the podcast? Now he's coming back. I still think he's coming back this season. Where? Who reported? Uh, Someone reported. Oh, Mike Flory reported. Three teams are interested. They want to wait. Yeah, until he started. Until he started tweeting. Listen, and we talk about this all the time. Talent trumps being an idiot. He tweeted about okay. Well, he's not coming back to the Patriots. I think we can agree that well, Breach's little theory. The Steelers might. I, I will admit that theory's out the window now. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. liked it, but it's gone. Yeah, his tweets about um, uh, the Patriots owner uh, were probably not well received. And it's, I think somebody told Adam Schefter, it's like Robert Robert Kraft will not. He's like he doesn't care what happens with like Antonio Brown's grievance. He will never cut that check for five million dollars for that signing bonus. Um, I mean that's fine, but don't sign the guy in the first place. Would be my advice to anyone. Sure. Uh, so yeah, Antonio Brown. By the way, Luke Falk, twelve of twenty-two for ninety-eight yards. So yeah, that was exciting. Is that good? So the Patriots have been coached by Bill Belichick for three hundred forty-seven games. This was actually technically their best ever defensive performance under him because they allowed the fewest yards they've ever allowed. Which how is, do you how on earth do you present that information and not say fun fact before it? Because that was a fun fact. Because We've you guys are all in my head now. Anyways, that's according to NFL research. So 105 yards they allowed the best ever the Bill Belichick era. That's incredible. That's a great fact. That's outstanding fact. He didn't present it as a fact, so you can't call it that. No, I presented it as a fact. I didn't present it as fun. But the reason you guys think it's fun, because if I had said it's a fun fact, then your expectations go through the roof. And then you're like, ah, oh, that's not that interesting. It's Luke Falk. What do you expect? That's what you Oh, uh, no, no, no. If you said fun fact and then dropped that, I'd be like, damn, that is a fun fact. Um, okay, moving along. The I Breach, give us a 60-second breakdown of the Buffalo Bills 21-17 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. That, frankly, I didn't watch a single snap-off. First of all... <laughs> Our Andy Dalton tattoo challenge just – I was about to give up and just call Sean and bets off because Dalton was started the game 0 for 5, didn't complete his first pass until halfway, midway, late into the second quarter. And then the first pass, which went to John Ross, was fumbled by John Ross, and the Bills recovered. So anyway, I'm just going to keep this long story short. <laughs> the, the Bills jumped out to a 14 nothing lead, and because this was the Bengals going against the Bills defense, I just, it's over. The final score is going to be 14 to nothing, and that was like written in stone. Somehow, miraculously, Josh Allen goes full Josh Allen. You know, he makes those Jameis Winston throws where you're just shaking your head, and you're like, what are you doing? He made one of those in the third quarter that set up the Bengals with great field position. So that cut the lead to 14 to seven. Uh, then the Bengals, the Bengals took the lead in this game, 17 to 14. Late in the fourth quarter, and you, like, Buffalo, the people of Buffalo, this was their home opener, whole stadium was stunned. I mean, it looked like they were going to riot, or it, they looked like when Sean McDermott named Nathan Peterman the starter, that was the look they all had on their face in this game. So anyway, Bengals lead 17-14 in the fourth quarter. Josh Allen leads a game-winning drive. This was actually 
when you're considering that it was the 2-0 Bengals versus 0-2 Bills and probably most people expect to be one of the three most unwatchable games of the weekend, I would say it was top three as far as entertainment went. Allen led uh, fourth quarter touchdown drive. Frank Gore scored the game-winning touchdown. And uh, Bills Bills look good. Bengals actually look good. So that's it. One more question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll I'll – I'll take the volleyball, the proverbial volleyball. I'll throw it up in the air and let you handle the business, Ryan. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Sean, but um, the Buffalo Bills are coached by Sean McDermott. And, Ryan, I don't know if you know this, they're 3-0 and now. 3-0, and got a matchup next week with the Patriots, who are also 3-0, and Sean. And when the Bills win that game, they'll be first in the division. So I was going to say. Well, hold so, on. Before, before we move on, I want to ask John one thing, because he was – John will passively, aggressively, passive-aggressively tweet about things. That he doesn't like about the Bills, but uh, about the Bengals, but frame it in such a way that you're like, "Huh, this is interesting." But I'm on to John, so I know the game ended <laughs> with Andy Dalton throwing an interception to Trey White. Trey White caught it, went down, and he gave himself up. You can see the official blowing the, the call dead. No one uh, touches him. This, Trey yeah. White jumps up, runs to the back of the Bills end zone, and John's like, "Should this be a safety question mark?" And this is the exact same question that Zach Taylor had after the game to the officials. I don't know where the confusion is. If you well, here's my issue, up, and here, here's where the confusion is, because he didn't give himself up. He you you can see the official blowing the ball. the ball dead. No, I'm saying – here's what I'm saying is anybody can watch the play. Go to my Twitter. The video <laughs> clip is there. He Giving yourself up is like you catch a ball, you fall to the ground. He dove to make the interception, so he naturally landed on the ground. He's then the he got position. up. He's no, no. not the fetal position. His teammates are like mobbing him, like on the ground, like. And you can see the official. He made a game-winning play. You can see the official blowing the play dead like this, John. So what does that mean to you? No, you could not hear the whistle. The, the whistle was not blown until he was in the end zone. So Zach, that's why Zach Taylor had the issue here. The, the, the whistle to end the play was not blown until White was in the end zone, and that's Sean, why you it see was the a official running, game. running through yeah, the frame. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe this was even like a point of controversy. It was the most obvious. Give give myself I up. Saw, situation. I saw Breach's tweet. I was like, "Is Breach drunk? What is, what he's, is he's Breach. Breach taking an L all day today. I don't understand what he's arguing. Uh, uh, no, almost as bad an L. Hey, by the way, we agreed. Uh, I do think the officials made the right call for the record. <laughs> you do not. And of course, you're, you're just like asking questions. You know, putting it out there. I'm not saying, but like, we, we did agree that if if the Bills win next Sunday, Sean Wagner <laughs> has to register for online classes at William and Mary. <laughs> uh, I'm fine with that. An online oh. basket weaving contest. Yeah, I was going to say though, it's a it's a dark day for the Pick Six podcast with the Lions and Bills. Matt Patricia and Sean McDermott are undefeated. Oh, it's All a bright winners. day. It's a bright day, baby. It's a bright day. All right, four games left on the schedule. Packers beat the Broncos twenty. Speaking of dark days, Packers beat the Broncos twenty-seven sixteen. Time to give up the ghost on this one. I think. I, think right. I may have been wrong on the Broncos. It doesn't appear that that's going to be correct. I don't think they're going to beat the Chiefs to win the division. Just a hunch. Um, I, look. Thank God I jumped off that moving train going right for the cliff. <laughs> it's you the most like, predictable one, too. <laughs> no, like you like got me in like like a fit, like an auction style situation where like you like you really want a player. And somebody else is like bidding him up, knowing that you want him. Ryan was like trying to like push for Flacco, like pushing, like pushing. I was like, no, no, I'm gonna go way up top. I'll pick him to win the division. And then Ryan was like, I'm out of this thing, and I look like a moron. Um, Aaron Rodgers, okay again, 17 to 29, 235 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Marcus Valdez Scanling led the way with 99 yards and a touchdown. This is more about again the Packers defense just 
locking down the Broncos to me than anything else. And they just were like, look, we're going to get to 27. You're not, and we're not going to be worried about it much for the rest of the day. Uh, and, and it was never really in doubt that the Broncos were going to ever scare them. I mean, they got, you know, it was seven to seven. I guess it was 10 to 10. The game, the game flipped at the end of the second quarter at the beginning of the third quarter, because it was a 10, 10 game, like you just mentioned. And then the Broncos had a turnover and right before halftime, then the Packers scored a touchdown. Then on the other side of halftime, the Broncos turned it over deep in their own territory again, and then the Packers scored. And with that point, you know, Joe Flacco is not coming back from a two-score deficit. Yeah. The, the ceiling here for the Broncos' offense is just too low. Well, hey, the, I have a, I have a fun fact real quick. Ooh. A lot of pressure. Now, you know, this is uh, – they're talking about this. I just found this. I saw this on Twitter. So we know Brinson always likes to tell us Tony Romo's full name. What's it? What is it? Antonio Romero Romo. Does anyone know, and Brinson will probably cheat, what Dak Prescott's full name is? Is it just Dak? Daxon. Is is this? I've always just assumed his actual name is Dak. Is it? Is that, is that short for something? That's his middle name, and it's short for something. You want to guess what it's short for? Dakiel. Daxon. <laughs> Daxon. Those are both actually pretty funny. No, his name is first name Rain Dakota Prescott. Oh, why did you just like look that. this up now? We talked about the Cowboys like an hour ago, Ryan. Yeah, I just saw the tweet coming by from a from a Cowboys Twitter person, and I was Ryan like, oh, on this. tape delay. Yeah, I just saw the tweet come over the over the wire, guys. Wait, did so. Debo just slacked me this, uh, this? This I didn't see this until just now. This Flacco interception. This is horrific. He's like it, literally that's your MVP throwing, candidate. He, I never said he was MVP. He's like throwing to. He's like. Throwing ten yards in front of, like two yards in front of the line, like the the line to go, the, like the, the the first down marker. There's no one. There's not a Broncos receiver within, a, like a full football field's length. I mean, like there's just no one there. It's unbelievable. It's By quite the way, believable. The the weird thing to me about the Broncos is you're burying me on this Broncos thing. Is very disappointing, right? Like you were yeah. full steam on Denver. I'm all Matt Patricia, all anti Joe Flacco. We. Look, everyone, for the most part, except Brunson, could have seen their offense stinking. Like that, if that everyone knew was probably going to happen. But with Vic Fangio coming over, it was all about, oh my God, like he's got Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller. Like they could get even better. They don't have a single sack this season. Fun fact, the Broncos are the only team in the last 50 years to have zero sacks and zero takeaways in the first three games of the season. That's un, that is a fun fact. That is, that is a fun fact. Can I ask Sean a question? Does he just get all his fun facts from NFL research and report? No, that, that one, which I was about to give credit to is Mike Cliss of Nine News. Mike Cliss, okay. Hashtag Nine News. Sean, I Dan. do all my own research on my fun facts, so you lose like 10 points. Yeah. Hashtag, well, yeah. here's, here's a fun fact. Fun fact. Sean steals all his fun facts from Twitter. <laughs> do you think Vic Fangio would do a better job coaching if you were in the booth? Like, I'm not kidding. Maybe uh, he, he was up there and he actually thought about, I think, doing it from up there while coaching for the Broncos as the head coach. But I think there's just a weird dynamic because you need to be on the field to make like key decisions. And but if you're going to be this bad, maybe you go up. You have nothing to lose at this point. You're 0 three. Go up in the hey, Mike Tomlin. Go into the booth as a, as Emmanuel Sanders put it after the game. We're living in a world of suck. That's his quote. Yeah. His, and Brinson, I don't think you need to jump off the Broncos bandwagon just yet. I mean, Oh boy. Oh no. Right. Breach is taking owls all over the place. All right. Give us Eddie Pinero. If, if, if he doesn't make that field goal, they but win he did that. make it, and they are zero three. Yeah, I mean, Breach is off today. I mean, is it <laughs> troubling? You, you say that like I'm you're disappointed to, in your I, I am disappointed. <laughs> I'm <laughs> off because I'm trying to help you guys with your. I'm trying to hold your hand through your bad 
think preseason predictions. I think the Broncos could go a little way. I mean, they, they could beat the Jaguars. Uh, here we go. Jaguars, Chargers, <laughs> and back Titans. on the train. I will. I will be taking the Broncos getting points against the Jaguars at home. Does that happen? What's the over under on that? My God, Jaguars. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I believe the over-under for this game was 43, and it landed at exactly 43 because Mason Crosby missed a field goal with, like, a was, minute left in the I, game. I, had, I took the under at 43 and a half when it first came out. I was losing my mind when he, he – well, it, like it was like a 27-yard field goal. He just shanked it dead right. I was doing, like, a dance, and I was like, man, there's no way Flacco's going to score. By the um, way, Brinson, every five minutes I see Debo look up to see how long we're gone. <laughs> he's like, right, let's let's get out of here. Uh, he's like, why are you talking about dancing and betting? Shut up. And, and we don't want to to Prescott. We don't uh, want any hate mail from Mason Crosby fans. The missed field goal is from 45 yards, not 27. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Atlanta, losers again, one and two. Lost to the Colts. My man, Jacoby Brissett. Where you at? Breach with your precious little Jaguars. The Colts look great. They're two Jaguars. and one. Jaguars. They just find ways to win. Jacoby Brissett, 28 and 37, 310 yards and two touchdowns. The thing about Brissett, I don't know if he's going to put up monster numbers every week. The dude is clutch. He just has sort of a clutch gene about him and he leads big drives in big spots. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, eight catches on 10 targets for 65 yards and a touchdown. Zach Pascal, a touchdown. Marlon Mack ran okay. Thought the Falcons defense played a little bit better. Keanu Neal. But then they, then they, is, is it, is it, they said how long he's, so he tore his ACL last year. We know about that. This year, it was an Achilles injury on, on Sunday. He was so angry and upset. He was crying. He tore his helmet off and threw it, and the NFL officials in their great wisdom flagged him for taking his helmet off on the field. Oh, come on. Really? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and they didn't, yeah. Yep. Uh, very serious injury. And, uh, oh, no, it's a, it suffered an Achilles injury and will not return. They tweeted almost immediately. One would assume that that is probably, um, not Probably going to be it for him. Yeah. Um, dang, that sucks. Yeah, you're right. He was bawling, crying. So the Falcons defense, like I said, was good at, like, was okay at first, but then but the Colts only had, that can't be right. Um, the Colts only had three possessions in the, in the second half. Is that right? The Falcons only had three possessions in the second half. What the hell? That's crazy. Well, man. they had a, Ten minute drive. It looks yeah. like. Well, I mean, the Falcons went touchdown, touchdown, touchdown in the in the in the second half with all three of their drives, and the defense simply could not stop Jacoby Brissett. He had a five uh, five minute eleven second touchdown drive to uh, to give the Colts that final twenty seven twenty four lead. The Falcons had, had trimmed it to uh, twenty to seventeen, and and then tacked on a not a quasi garbage time, not not garbage time, but a, a late touchdown. Uh, I just think Atlanta, man. I mean, it could keep going south for them because they are suffering some injuries. The defense doesn't look like it's good. It looks like the exact same team from last year. Yeah, definitely. And here's the thing is that you look if, – if you were just to look at the box score in this game, Matt Ryan went 29 to 34. He only threw five incomplete passes. How did they lose? And here's a couple problems. He threw an interception, which was in the first half, the Falcons had driven down inside Indy's 30-yard line, got picked off at like the five-yard line. They should have gotten points on that drive. Uh, another problem for the Falcons was penalties. They got called for 16 penalties, which was the second most in franchise history. And, they, I mean, we talked about the one with Keanu Neal with the helmet. I mean, there were just penalties all over the place. That one probably shouldn't have been called. But that one killed them with they gave the Colts a couple free first downs. They lost an opportunity to get a couple first downs. 
And that pretty much bet the game over backwards because they, there was just nothing the Falcons could do. I mean, they played pretty well and just got killed by these dumb little mistakes they kept making. And I do want to give a shout-out to our boy Adam Vinatieri, who at 46 years old somehow fixed all his kicking issues, showed up to this game, 3-3 three of three on extra points, 2-2 two two on field goals, and he even added some drama his first kick of the day, first quarter, from 49 yards out. Everybody's wondering, my God, is he going to miss this? Are they going to cut him at halftime because he's so horrible? He hits the upright. The ball's curving the whole way. It looks like it might miss. Hits the upright and goes in. Vinatieri makes it. The rest of his kicks went in pretty easy. Uh, so Adam's hey John, back, how do you, guys. How do you fix that after 40 years of kicking in one week? I mean, all his struggles were the past five games. All were played on the road. I think coming home, playing an indoor game, you kind of get back in your groove, familiar territory. I think he'll be good the rest of the season. Mm. All right. What am I missing? Oh, Oakland, Minnesota. My boy, Dalvin I was going to say, are you really going to forget about the Vikings? It was uh, R- rookie of the year, Super Bowl it, pick, and uh, they blasted a little team named the Raiders. You hate to see it. Um, 34-14, Vikings rolled the Raiders. This got so bad that Alexander Madison. The backup running back for the Vikings had 12 carries for 58 yards and a touchdown. Mike Boone had three carries for 28 yards. Basically, Dalvin Cook ran 16 times for 110 yards. He looked freaking awesome again. And they pulled him because they were up big. They weren't worried about it. Kirby Cousins, Kirk Cousins, I guess, 15 to 21, 174 yards and a touchdown. Um, they, the Vikings had, had their way with, with the Raiders. It wasn't, this game was, um, it was 21 to seven at halftime and it, didn't really feel that close. Backups were in in the third quarter. Uh, you know, they, they got a garbage touchdown in the, in the a minute left, a minute and a half left for, to Tyrell Williams. I mean, it's 34-7 for most of this game and Minnesota snuffed out anything the Raiders had. I want to know where that guy is. So when I tweeted out my predictions for the season, I ended up getting like a Twitter battle with some Raiders fan. I was like, listen, bro. I was like, I will print this tweet a out. Twitter battle. <laughs> I was like, I was like, listen, I will print, I was like, I'll make you a bet. The Vikings will, he was like, he was like clowning me for the Vikings. I was like, the Vikings will win more games than the Raiders. And if they don't, the loser, like whoever, like if they don't, I'll print out this tweet and I'll, I'll videotape myself eating it. You want to take that bet? And he's like, fine, I'm in. And like he says he's going to honor it. I liked it and then I faved it so I could find it later. But, um, this, yeah, this, this is, grown man spends hours. That, this, this grown man spends hours of his day. Twitter battling. Twitter, Twitter battle. You think he gets on, like, he's got a black belt that he ties around his, like, <laughs> waist before he starts engaging with people in these battles on Twitter? You think he warms up like the Karate Kid warms up before a match? <laughs> Doing squats? <laughs> so what do you guys think about the Vikings and the Raiders? Nothing about this game surprised me because we all know the Vikings can beat up on bad teams. I feel like that's what they've done, especially last year. The question is Kirby's specialty, right? The and their defense is good enough to beat up on these bad offenses. So I don't think we learned anything about them. The question is, can they beat you know the Packers? Can they beat the Bears? Can they beat other good teams? And that's the thing. That's the thing that the we're Lions. Gonna learn, I, I guess. But so I don't think we learned anything about them. These are the games that the line was like eight and a half. I felt like it was the most obvious pick to pick them because this is just what they do, and I want to see them do this um, against good teams the good news is that Kirk Cousins uh didn't get sacked but again it's against the Raiders defensive front that, 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 week, one thing? that week okay. one game against the Broncos is going to go down as like the biggest fluke ever the Raiders stink they are bad they're not good by the way uh Brinson's Joe Flacco 
MVP prediction, or at least the, the Broncos. Okay, the Broncos winning the division prediction will pale in comparison to your Garrett Bradbury rookie. Of the, the, <laughs> That's an all-time. Like, he is playing like hot doo-doo. And look, in your defense, when I watched him last year at State, I was like, oh, this guy looks really good. He ran the 4-9 at the combine. Everyone's going crazy over that. And by all accounts, every team liked him. He is struggling majorly with pass blocking. Yeah, the Vikings are bad at pass blocking. Yeah, uh, because they don't need to pass though, so that shouldn't be a problem. Just wow. hand the ball to Dalvin rookie, Cook. Wow, rookie center isn't great at pass blocking. What a surprise! Says the man who predicted rookie center to win rookie of the year. Yeah, there's no defending it. He picked a center to win rookie of the year. It doesn't matter how good he is or not. He picked a center to win rookie of the year. Right. It was. I, mean, it was, it, I don't think it was going to happen. I mean, like, why would you pick it then? I don't care. I do what I want. Whatever. Whatever. I do what I want. That's, uh, that's quite so, a comeback. Do the Raiders win another game before November? This this was the first game on their 12-month road trip where they're leaving Oakland forever. They go to Minnesota, which they just did. They go to Indy. They go to London to play the Bears. Then they go to Green Bay. And then they go to Houston before finally going back to Oakland to play the Detroit Lions. I don't think they win any of those games. Uh, I think this road trip's going to be disastrous. They're not beating my Lions. <laughs> Their next, not, win, their next win might be November 17th at home against the Bengals. Don't say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest with you. I'm looking, I'm, thank God they didn't play the Steelers because they would win that game. What if they don't win another game? That's on the table. <laughs> I mean, it is. The they play the Jets. We don't know if Mono will be healed by then. What do so, the kids say, Sean? Do they say dead ass? Dead ass. The Raiders could, don't they say dead ass? What does that mean? They say hella. Out, so, in, out in California. Oh, so clown. Oh, clown. What's up? Uh, no, dead ass means like dead ass serious, but people are like dead ass. Oh. Um, DA. Yeah. Foe, clown. Uh, okay. So Diva's like, what on earth is happening, guys? I think that's, oh, what, one more game. Sorry. Houston Texans, Los Angeles Chargers. That was this close. Is a, this is actually a great game. Uh, Deshaun Watson was Why? Phillip Rivers. I, I didn't pick the Chargers to be any good. This is what, again, I pointed this out with the Panthers stuff. This is what Brenton does, yeah. is he loves these players and loves these teams, but then the second they're bad, he's, he tries to act like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not a Rivers fan. There's a Phillip Rivers doll behind you. I can see it. He's sitting right behind you. Don't try to downplay this. I never said I wasn't a fan of the Chargers. I said I didn't pick the Chargers to win. I don't care if they lose games. You do care. You care a lot. Uh, I mean, we already made fun of him for the Broncos. We can't make fun of him for a second AFC West team in his defense. Before the season, I said, listen, I'm out on the Chargers. I think they're going to end up stinking. And they stink. They don't it's stink. Terrible. I mean, they stink. Same old September Chargers. They stink. Uh, Austin Eckler was fine in this game. Rivers is actually pretty good. 31 to 46 for 318 and two touchdowns. Keenan Allen had a monster. 13 catches, 183 yards, Bears. two touchdowns. Um, Go Bears. He went to Cal. Uh, oh, Cal, 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 by the way, is ranked number 15. This isn't a college podcast, Sean. Yeah. Hey, can I point something out quickly uh, about the um, Deshaun Jackson and the Texans? They may be figuring out the Wait, offensive line. Are, are they going to trade for Deshaun Jackson? So clown. No. Uh, so. Here, here's the, why I don't agree, Ryan, is that the Chargers have had the worst pass rush all year. I think besides the Broncos who had zero sacks, the Chargers had the second fewest. So it's like if there was one game – where they were not going to allow any sacks, this would have been it. But even they didn't because they allowed two sacks. So the Chargers, like, doubled their total on the season. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm still. I'll, I'll go ahead and finish since both of you guys interrupted me, which is you. Extremely... The reason I interrupted you is because you said Deshaun Jackson in the. Oh, Deshaun, <laughs> thank you. That's a good reason to interrupt, not to say what John John Breach said, which is totally wrong. <laughs> Deshaun Watson. So here's why I say that. And look, it's not fixed, and, and Breach makes a, a decent point. Not a great point, a decent point. But Titus Howard, the guy they drafted in the first round after they missed out on Andre Dillard, they finally let him play right tackle. They had him playing guard. He's not a, he's not a guard. He's a tackle. The kid they took in the second round, Max Sharpling, they had him playing left guard. And it was starting to come together. Larry Tunzel, we know they traded 14 first-round picks for. He's playing left tackle. He's getting better each week and all that. But I think there's a chance this, this group could improve, and this is how it needs to be set up going forward. So, yeah, it's clearly not a finished product, but I think it's going to be better than what they've had any point last year and what they've had previous in the previous two two games. But, again, there's, there's some work to do. But it could be uh, a good sign of things to come. By the way, I feel like this doesn't happen every Sunday, obviously, but I feel like – it's like a rule that the late window of games on a Sunday has to end with the Chargers down seven. Philip Rivers has the ball. And why, are you, this, why are you reading your tweets? Nobody I'm, not reading, I'm not reading my tweet. Your tweets don't are, get mad. Don't get mad that I'm about to dunk on your boy, Philip Rivers. Your tweets, like, your tweets don't get it. They weren't good tweets. So why are you reading them on the podcast? Nobody wants an audio. I'm, not, I'm not reading my tweets on the podcast. Yes, I'm, you are. I saw I'm, you I'm really earlier. not. I almost replied. I was like, no, I'm not going to give what he wants. I'm not going to let him know that I read that crappy tweet. I'm not going to reply to that thing. And then, then, of course, you come back and try and read it on the podcast. <laughs> by the I, way, guys, by the way, guys, Brinson, not mad about Philip Rivers sucking in the Chargers. I feel like not I, mad at all. Not triggered at all. I feel like every late game window is a Philip Rivers holding the ball with a chance to win and having a back-breaking interception. <laughs> no, but it always ends with him walking off the field with his Thank helmet you. in his hands. Looking up at the uh, and closing his eyes in pain. That's, That's I, yeah, I, I read it. I was trying to do it dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you were really passionate about it. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Uh, but are the Chargers done? Can we just write them off? Nah, can, can we stick a fork in them? They're no. 60, they're, 60, they're going to dominate the Dolphins probably. I bet they won't cover, but they're 16.5-point favorites. Uh, remember, the Chargers, last year was the anomaly. The Chargers stink in September. The September yep. Chargers are terrible, and they were they're bad this year. They were good last year. That was the anomaly. Um, they get the Dolphins, final game of September. They're going to leave September 2-2, two and two, and then they're going to have the Broncos, Steelers, Titans, and Bears um, in October, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they went 4-0 in those games. Sure. I'm not burying them. Yeah. I'm off that bandwagon, man. Yeah. Uh, they'll climb within one game of the Chiefs in the division, and then Philip Rivers with a back-breaking interception and walk off the field, staring up in, the, in, in pain uh, to the sky. And I now am going to walk away from this podcast in pain, staring at the sky. Sean, I hate you. Good night, everybody. Um, <laughs> thanks for subscribe, rate, and review to the Fix 6 podcast. You guys want anything you guys want to add before we get out of here? No. Cool. Remember Talk to, to you guys. Thank you, Bob Barker. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Back tomorrow with a Monday night preview. Jason Lacanfora. And then we'll be, of course, record after the Monday night game for Tuesday. Hasta mañana.